Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we are going to be discussing an article from the February issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Managing for Heterogeneity on Rangelands in the Nebraska Sandhills. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Mitch Stevenson, who's a University of Nebraska Range Management Specialist. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. Thanks, Aaron. It's good to be here. Well, Dr. Stevenson, tell us a little about this content of the article, why the importance of having diversity on rangelands and the sandhills, and why is it that in some cases we actually may want to see rangeland that in many people's eyes, or at least parts of the rangeland, uh, might be a little bit overgrazed or a little bit in a more uh, degraded state to complement other parts and species that exist there? Yeah, so so uh, we we often talk about this concept of heterogeneity, uh, which can be defined as a variability in ecological properties or processes across the landscape, and and this is often talked about in terms of different spatial, so so large or small, uh, and uh, and temporal scales, and so so some are ever changing or some stay constant over time. And so, so the idea is this is this is variability in vegetation height, plant species composition or density. Could be things like bare ground cover or differences in biomass across the landscape. And um, this variability is an important concept for conservation and, and grassland biodiversity, and it helps to promote often multiple ecosystem services. And so when we think about it in a, in a wildlife concept, oftentimes uh, uh, some of our grassland birds create a good example for this, but, but there are birds that, that uh, are really more um, accustomed or, or their habitat requirements are in areas that receive very little grazing, where there's a lot of cover, a lot of grass cover or shrub cover, and um, and they really thrive in those habitats. Whereas there's other birds uh, that that really thrive more in areas that have maybe more bare ground uh, or or areas that have really low vegetation structure species. And so uh, and there, then there's some that are kind of generalists that are kind of in the middle uh, somewhere that that work really well in a lot of different environments. And so. The thought is, is if we can manage in a way that would create multiple uh, areas for these different species to thrive, uh, that we could create a, a ecosystem that, that provides for more habitats for a lot of these different species. And then the thought is behind this too, is that there's also opportunities for, for different plants, different native plants to thrive. Um, and so, so there's a lot of other benefits as we think about this across a landscape that this variability is important to our ecosystem. So I guess what I hear you saying is that uh, we may have a picture in our mind's eye of what a peak or best looking rangeland site might be. But as we think about the whole system, actually some diversity out there in terms of the presence of plant species, grass height, actually even places where there's bare ground uh, from a big picture or whole ecosystem standpoint may actually be the target. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And um, so, so uh, and one example of that is, is, uh, is with our blowouts, you know, in the sandhills. And we do, we do quite a bit of work in the sandhills and uh, looking at the plant communities and how it changes across the landscape. But blowouts are often looked at at very negative light. That's, that's bad management uh, if you have blowouts on your ranch. 
but um, the blowouts have been a, a common occurrence on that landscape for centuries. Uh, and and these active blowouts and have, have created environments where certain plants have thrived. And one of those is the, is, is termed the blowout penstemon. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's quite a, a beautiful flower that really needs that type of environment that, that we would see as, as pretty harsh environment, you know, open blowing sand. Uh, but it, the seeds need that to germinate and to grow, and it's really adapted to that type of environment. Um, and so if we're consistently managing to not have blowouts uh, on a landscape, that takes away that habitat for that, in that specific species. And so uh, that's, it is an endangered species. And so uh, that's why, as we think about this, punching in some of these small scales where, or if there is a blowout, that may not be the all bad on a landscape. Thinking through it more, uh, you know, often in terms of the whole environment, these species are important to maintain on a landscape. And so if we're constantly managing for, let's say, areas that have uh, more grass uh, cover, which is, which is often the goal and, uh, of, a, of a producer, is to manage to, to have a healthy, vibrant plant community, uh, mostly with grasses, because that's what cattle are going to be consuming. But if we, could, if we manage for that uh, and, and none of the other environments, then we might lose areas that, that are, have blowouts or some of these other areas where other forbs might need a little bit more open space to come in and, um, and, and, and fill in some of these spots. So, yeah, I think as we, we look out at our landscape, it's kind of understanding that there is some of this variability and that that's not all bad. And, and I would also say that there, there, there are two different heterogeneity classifications, I'd say. The, the first one is inherent. And when we think about inherent heterogeneity, it's, it's, it's the differences in vegetation uh, based on topography or geology or soil uh, characteristics. So in, a, in, a, in the sandhills, we see a lot of that topography and that topographic difference. So the species we see on the, the dune tops are gonna be a little bit different plant community than what we see down in the swells. And then even farther different than what we see like on a, on a, on a sub-irrigated meadow. And so that's that inherent diversity in our plant uh, composition, biomass cover uh, environments really. Then, then the other one is disturbance driven. And that one's more closely related to our grazing, fire and other management practices. And, um, and so they, they kind of interact quite a bit too. Uh, so as we as we think about the sand hills area or or just an area that has any kind of topographic variability, uh, that topographic variability is going to affect how cattle graze across the landscape. Uh, we just finished up a study in the sand hills using with with uh, with GPS collars looking at how cattle chose areas to graze within pastures. And this was a study with with uh, the Agricultural Research Service and uh, and several universities in the western or across the United States. And um, we looked at all these different topographic positions and, and averaged across all the sites. What we found is that cattle grazed in the lowlands 100, approximately 120% more intensively than they did on some of the uplands. And we saw this in the sand hills as well. And so, uh, so these kind of interact together. And so if, they, if, if their cattle are gonna graze on these lowlands maybe more than the uplands, that creates uh, level of heterogeneity between those two sites as well. And so it's heterogeneity is just, just going to be there sometimes, even if we're not actually managing for it. It just, just so happens that because of their selection preferences of the different topographic positions, that that's how 
they're going to graze more heavily in the lower flat plains, lowland areas than the uplands. So, so yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities to create this heterogeneity, but there may be even some where we can manage the small scales, uh, and, and that we have some pastures where where maybe we manage that pasture. Uh, maybe a little bit differently than some of our other pastures, just for the purpose of creating maybe some more habitat for a specific classification. Like I say, that could be that we don't graze that one as hard or only graze it in the wintertime. So there's a lot of cover um, or, or, you know, it's, 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 we rotate and rest or we create, we get, we have some pastures that maybe we do graze season long continuous and we create that gradient from water to the far end of the pasture that creates a, uh, heavy grazed areas in close proximity to maybe not heavily grazed areas. And so, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that we can think about this and it doesn't have to totally negate uh, some of the, the efforts that people have made to really improve their rangelands. It's just a way that we can think about, um, you know, maybe there's some opportunities to add in a little bit more heterogeneity where we can. One of the things in your article that jumped out and got my attention is that in some of the surveys you've done in the Sand Hills, looking at plant species, over 720 plant species identified. That to me is just almost hard to grasp that there's that many plant species present. And I think it also just lends to what you've talked about here is there are so many different plant species present and the environment, uh, both topography, soil type, uh, water availability, grazing pressure, all of those things are what's really resulted in having this kind of breadth of species diversity. Yeah, it, it really is a, a phenomenal ecosystem that's there. And, and, um, and I, I think that that's, that's, that's what gives it so much value, not only for beef production, uh, but, but also for wildlife, for, for plant species habitat. And for a number of other things, you know, when when you when you look at maps of the Great Plains, uh, there's a we we we've, we've developed a lot of the Great Plains with farming and other infrastructure, but the Sand Hill sticks out as one of the the largest and most intact uh, areas uh, within the Great Plains, uh, the most uh, as a grassland, a native grassland, the only. The only other one that's similar in size and not as developed is in eastern uh, northeast Wyoming. And so really it's a unique habitat and it's it's important that we we continue to maintain that, but it's it's a working landscape and that we there's there's tremendous value there as far as beef production that can be managed for, but uh, thinking about other these other ecosystem services that that we can also influence with our management. It really uh, promotes the inherent value, I would say, of the sand hills and the, 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 that it has for our Great Plains. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Stevenson. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article Managing for Heterogeneity on Rangelands in the Nebraska Sandhills. In the article, you can also find additional links to research as well as articles that highlight some of the content that we discussed in today's podcast.